No, I listen to it all the time. I tell all my friends to smack it raw. to return to wrestling the podcast that takes you back in time to before it was sports entertainment when we still called it professional wrestling i am your host the warden matt ritter and i'm here with my co-host as always sir cussalot travis pointer this is our second episode and we are currently working our way through wcw we started with the very first nitro into fall brawl war games now we're picking up right after fall brawl and we're going to work our way through halloween havoc on this episode and Travis, we got a lot to cover because there was like five fucking episodes. A lot of there was a lot of nitro. Luckily, those episodes of nitro only allow an hour long, though. So, yeah, but it was five episodes of nitro plus a pay per view. Um, last week, when I was talking to you, Travis, you said that I said that a lot of this WCW stuff was shit, and you said that you have to pick the golden nuggets out of the shit. Yes, you do. So we have two segments here tonight. First is going to be called The Drizzling Shits. It's all the awful stuff that I had to suffer through watching this back. And the second segment is The Gold Nuggets, and it's going to highlight all of those things that I plucked out of the shit that actually made me smile and made me happy. Okay. So uh, let's get right into The Drizzling Shits from five weeks of Monday Night Nitro. Uh, The Giant and Kelly... What? No, no, no. It's just Monday Nitro. Sorry, yeah, I'm going to do that a lot. I even tried to change it on the paper so I wouldn't do that, and I'm still going to do that. Yeah, yeah, but I'm going to correct you every time, so. All right, let's get into the drizzling shits of Monday Nitro. Mm -hmm. Uh, First up, all of the promos from the Giant and Kevin Sullivan. None of them were good. Well, Kevin Sullivan is terrible. We know this, and we discussed this the last time. And we also know at this point, the Giant was not very good with a microphone in his hand. Not just, not just all of the promos, but literally everything that had to do with the Dungeon of Doom was just the drizzling shits, Travis. There was nothing good to pull out of that. Yeah, yeah. We got to get past this Dungeon of Doom phase, and once we're past that, it'll, it'll get better. We gotta get uh, next up is another Kevin Sullivan thing, and that's Kevin Sullivan and the Macho Man on Baywatch. Uh, the Macho Man bench pressing on the beach. Kevin Sullivan wasn't actually on Baywatch. Only the Macho Man was on Baywatch. Kevin Sullivan but, just up on the set. The reason that Kevin Sullivan was not on Baywatch is because as the Macho Man was bench pressing on the beach, Kevin Sullivan thought it would be a good idea to walk over and try and choke him to death with the uh, bench press bar. Yeah. Which set up a match between the two. And it was a one-night, one-match. It made no fucking sense. For some reason, he was just bench-pressing on the beach in front of the Baywatch people because, you know, that's what one does when you go on Baywatch. I will say this. WCW has a lot of great matches, but one of the worst matches I saw that made the drizzling shits list was Paul Orndorff 
versus Johnny B. Bad. Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> and his psychic that, you know, five weeks he came out one time after we were introduced to that psychic with that psychic, had one match. It was awful, and I haven't seen him since. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back, like, sporadically. He'll just come out with the wonderful music with the mirror and all that kind of shit, you know? Um, next up, we have – I didn't catch that. What was that? He'll never be anything special again, though. He's still, you know <laughs> – that's so harsh to say about Mr. Wonderful. He will he will never be special again. He won't. Like he's just <laughs> he's just Mr. Wonderful on WCW. He just comes out every now and then has a match with his Mr. Wonderful music and you'll forget he was there in about a week. Uh next up we have a promo backstage with Hulk Hogan and Jimmy Hart. And the reason this made the list is because Hulk Hogan repeatedly refers to the giant as the big stinky giant and also does a weird neck workout while he's wearing a neck brace where Jimmy Hart takes the WCW championship and puts it on the back of his head. And he's like lifting it to strengthen his damaged neck from the, like what the fuck was this shit dude? Like Jesus Christ. Hulk Hogan, man. It's fucking Hulk Hogan. What do you want from him, man? Like this I want better. That's what the fuck I want from Hulk Hogan is well, better. You're like getting better from him for about a year, all right? <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that because in about a year we get Hollywood Hulk Hogan, but this whole thing gave us a glimpse at what Hollywood Hogan would be in the future. Kind of. Yeah. And we're going to get into that. Uh, the last thing, and this isn't so much a drizzling shit as it's something that I've been questioning um, my entire life. What is with WCW and monster trucks it's entertainment stuff they just try to get their hands and everything just like how they did the whole sturgis thing with the, with the motorcycles and all that they just you know trying to get crossover people that's really all it is okay because i mean i remember the sting monster truck i remember the goldberg monster truck the hulk hogan monster truck the dungeon of doom monster truck just monster trucks out the ass. Yeah, and I never understood it. And this whole thing here, them emphasizing the fact that Hulk Hogan's monster truck was made by the same people that made Bigfoot, you know, and all that. It's, it's all it's all about just getting more crossover shit. That's all. The only monster truck I ever gave a shit about was Grave Digger. Of course. Mm. Speaking of Grave Digger, I got my uh, Thank You Taker shirt on tonight, even though it's a WCW podcast, unfortunately. I don't own any WCW merch other than my NWO Wolfpack shirt. So I'm gonna have to get you some WCW merch. Well, maybe once the product I'm gonna get you a vintage uh like a vintage Lex Luger shirt. Oh fuck. We're gonna talk about that. I don't even Let's know talk about is, but <laughs> did he have shirts back then? I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. He might have. I know they didn't have the uh, merch department that WWE has, but uh Let's get into those golden nuggets that I plucked out of this five-week long. We had Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. At the end of the match, they showed some mutual respect, which was fantastic. Anything, obviously. Even though I hated Dean Malenko for a long time. I was about to say, how do you you feel about Dean Malenko right now? Do you still hate Dean Malenko? uh, So, Travis, I was obsessed with Lita. I did not like the way he stalked and followed Lita. That is... Literally the entire basis for why I hated Dean Malenko, like had nothing to do with him as a wrestler or a person. It's just 
I was madly in love with Lita and he was making her uncomfortable and following her around and doing what heels do to get heat. And he got heat with me. Clearly. Um, no, but obviously he's one of the greatest technical wrestlers WCW had, as was Eddie Guerrero. They put on a fantastic match. Um, I put this under the golden nuggets. I'm not sure how you're going to feel about it, but it's here because it was very interesting what they did. Um, the American males came out for a match against the blue bloods. And instead of seeing the blue bloods, and for those of you who don't know, the American males are Scotty Riggs and Buff Bagwell. Scotty Riggs. When he still has two eyes. Scotty Riggs would go on to be part of the flock, which I do remember and know. And uh, Buff Bagwell's fucking Buff Bagwell. Like, he lost an eye. We literally, at some point, you will see the night where he fucks up his eye. And from then on, he has to wear an eye patch. Oh, just wait. Oh, just Um, wait. I can't wait for you to get to that. So the American males were supposed to fight the Blue Bloods, which is somebody in Steven Regal, or William Regal, as you guys may know him from WWE. Steven Regal. Um, But... Something Taylor, I believe, is what his name is. Um, fuck. He's a wrestler. Not Terry Taylor. No, no. Something Taylor, I think. I don't know. Somebody let us know. Yeah, if you guys are listening to this and you know who the other Blue Blood is, please let us know. Uh, anyway, the Blue Bloods never even made it out for the match because Harlem Heat decided that their newly won tag team titles would be best defended against the American males after beating up the blue bloods uh so they come down to the ring and they give the american males a title shot and the american males fucking beat harlem heat and i put this one on sherry because sherry was distracted by colonel parker she dropped into his arms he started making out with her carrying her off like she wasn't there for her boys the harlem heat yeah man it was her fault it was it was definitely her fault but but this is one of those rare moments where i was just like man this was not the white man's fault this was your fault you never go out there (laughs) You didn't have to go out there. You did not have to go out there and defend your titles against the American males. You could have just let them fight the Blue Bloods and went on about your day. You did this to yourself. Yeah, yes, they absolutely did. Um, where I will not blame the white man. Another highlight for me is that on the WWE Network, they're still showing the Macho Man Randy Savage Slim Jim commercials during Nitro, and that is fantastic. Yo, uh, they're also showing like the hotline things and all that kind of shit for you to call. The we fuck. talked about the hotlines last week. Man, the fucking hotlines. You mean last month? But yes. um, you just you just just say last episode, all right? Like don't 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 say weeks. Travis, months. we've done so many shows in a row. I don't remember when the last time I talked about WCW was. When know. you know, I know that's why I just said just say last episode. Don't even okay. Don't even give time. Just say last episode. On the last episode, we talked about hotlines because all you kids don't know what hotlines are. Unless you've listened to our last episode, and then we've let you know what a hotline was. Um, What I found interesting was I was listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, and he actually talked about uh, when Macho Man got hired to WCW. And one of the things was that Slim Jim contract. And Slim Jim actually paid WCW pretty much Randy Savage's first year's salary to have Randy Savage as their spokesperson when he left WWF to come to WCW. And that money all went – it didn't get filtered through Turner. That all went straight into WCW. So, yeah, Slim Jim wanted Randy so bad, they paid like $750,000 to 
to have him as their spokesperson, which covered his first year's salary in WCW. Well, I must say, money well spent. Because you know what? The only reason why I know anything about a Slim Jim or that it even exists is because of Macho Man Randy Savage. The only reason I still look at Slim Jims and think, I know they taste terrible, but I really kind of just want one is because of the Macho Man. Exactly, exactly. And more than once, I have bought one for that reason. And I hated it every you, time I did it. And <laughs> but, You had to snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, here we go. I remember, like I said, Travis, I didn't watch WCW all the time, but I do remember bits and pieces. And I remembered... Alex Wright and the Disco Inferno being a tag team. Eventually, yeah. yeah. But before that happened, we had Alex Wright beating the Disco Inferno, and they're really pushing the Wonder Kid Alex Wright at this point in 1995 as he's going to be something. <laughs> yeah, Das Wonderkin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, eventually he'll uh, become a television champion, but that's as high as he goes. Yeah, well, we know that now, but right now it seems like, especially with Eric Bischoff on Monday Nitro doing commentary. I didn't fuck it up that time. You said it right. Look at you. Look at you learning. Uh, He's really really pushing this Alex Wright kid. He's really high on him on commentary. So it looked like he at least had some kind of plans for him. They didn't go anywhere. We know that now, but. Yeah, it just didn't work out. It it happens. Uh, Also, a really good. You're going to see them pushing next year. They had these really big grand plans for, and it just, yeah, doesn't go anywhere. His name is Glacier, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about that too. Uh, Another really good match was Kurosawa versus uh, that Pittman guy that you told me about. Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull Pittman. That was a great match. Kurosawa came out with Colonel Parker. I don't know who Colonel Parker is, but apparently he manages like half of WCW's roster at this point. Yeah, a bunch of do. He has uh, like these, a bunch of like, he has a few Japanese guys. He has you know the rednecks and all that kind of shit. Yeah, he just has his fingers all up in it. They're trying to make him like you know the new Bobby Heenan. He, just... he also has his fingers all up in Sherry, but that's a different story. Um, no, that was a great match, and they talk a lot about how Kurosawa supposedly uh, put the Road Warrior Hawk on the shelf in a match, breaking his arm. So he's supposed to be this badass, this real tough guy. Um, So that was really cool. Nitro from the Rosemont Horizon. And hearing the words, the Rosemont Horizon, just brought a smile to my face. Because it's not the Rosemont Horizon anymore, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who don't live in Chicago, or for those of you who watch wrestling and you hear Allstate Arena, the Allstate Arena used to be the Rosemont Horizon. Rosemont Horizon, sir. Oh, we also had Chris Benoit's very first match on WCW against Eddie Guerrero, which Rippler. couldn't be more fitting with the way that whole thing ended with them in that moment at WrestleMania 20 that his first match in WCW was against the guy that he celebrated with when he got his first heavyweight championship win. Yeah, man. Um, All right. Oh, the Disco Inferno period has been amazing in 1995. <laughs> Here's the he thing. comes out. It's great for us now, but back then we didn't like him that much. He was, he was annoying to us back then, but now we're just like, that's really fucking cool. Oh, no, this is fantastic. He comes out. He just dances for no reason in the middle of matches. They're like, he's not even supposed to be here. He's not on the card, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> fucking, uh, there's a match that we're going to talk about later where Hawk comes down to the ring for a match. And he takes some kid's hat, and it was a Minnesota Viking hat. They're in Chicago, 
and he hangs it on Road Warrior Hawk's spike and then takes off. Okay, listen, we got to explain this for people. The hatred that exists within our division, okay? Like, I don't know what, it, what it's like in your other football divisions, but the NFC North, we don't fuck around, all right? <laughs> like, You know, a lot of teams just have a rival. Like, you've got um, the Boston Red Sox and the Yankees, or – You've got, uh, in football, the Patriots and pretty much every team in the NFL right now because they're all haters. But in the NFC North, it's not just the Bears and the Packers. Even though the Lions suck. That's the main one. The Bears and the Packers is the main one. But (laughs) even though the Lions suck and the Minnesota Vikings haven't won shit in a long time, we still hate them just as much. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, It's serious in the NFC North. And Hawk being from Chicago, being in the Rosemont Horizon, which is as close as you can get to being in Chicago unless they do a, an event at the United Center, which is rare. At that point, I think they were – no, no, they had already tore down Chicago Stadium. They were at the United Center at that point. You're right. The, the Rosemont Horizon is the closest you're going to get to being in Chicago for a wrestling event. So for the disco to take a Minnesota Viking hat and hang it on a guy from Chicago's shoulder pads while he's in Chicago and he doesn't even notice till he gets in the ring and then he's pissed. It was so good. So good. Um, And then he gets uh, Hawk counted out in Chicago and makes him lose his match. Shame. Michael motherfucking Buffer, Travis. I miss Michael Buffer. I remember Michael Buffer. Listen, listen. He always had us ready to rumble. All right? Like, it's just... Here, like you said, hearing his voice again every time I go back and watch some old WCW stuff, it just makes me so happy because he wasn't on every episode of Nitro. But whenever he was, he announced for the main event, it was always hype. And I don't understand if he's still alive, why the WWE wouldn't bring him in to announce big matches at like WrestleMania or something like that because it's a pride. He may be, he may be the voice of a generation. Well, what pride you won. Not only did you won, but you trashed every WCW wrestler that came along, and the only one that really built themselves back up to any prominence was Booker T in the WWE system. Well, I mean, Eddie and, ben- and Goldberg. Eddie and Benoit, both. You know, well, yeah, but that's – they weren't big in WCW, and that was the problem, and that's why they left. You know, Jericho left because he wasn't getting recognition. Eddie and Benoit left. Uh, I guess the big show. The big show and Booker T and Goldberg – are really the only ones that came from WCW and really uh, Ray, but Ray was still a cruiserweight. He was still held down. Yeah, he was, he was held back too. So yeah. I see. Uh, also in the last thing, the last golden nugget is throughout these five weeks, I have constantly heard them not only trash the WWF, not just on commentary, but mean gene in the ring has done promos where he trashes the WWF and they say WWF, but on the network, they censor out the F, so it's just WW and then a blank. <laughs> yeah. WWE is censoring WWF. Oh, and that cracks me up. It is. It's funny. It's funny because they still just can't say WWF. Like That's why like, they like censor out the logo and all that shit. Funny as fuck. I've been watching these episodes of Nitro, and Eric Bischoff on commentary for me has been kind of eh. Well, that's why Tony Schiavone ends up taking over. Um, but Mongo has been joined by his dog, and the first 
time his dog showed up, he called him Pepe. And I was thinking, okay, his name's Pepe. That's kind of funny because he's got a chihuahua. And then in WWF, they had the Pepe chihuahua that uh, Big Boss Man killed that was Al Snow's. But then every week, he dresses the dog in a new costume and gives it a new name. So I don't even know what the dog's fucking name is. Like, he dressed it as an alien and named it, like, Glorb or some weird shit. Like, what the fuck is Mongo doing? I don't know, but I need to get past this point where he's doing commentary when he's in the ring because I need to not hear him on commentary anymore because he's terrible. All right, so the way we're going to do this now that we got that portion of it out is I'm going to talk about the main feuds from the pay-per-view mm-hmm. as per the buildup, and then we'll talk about the pay-per-view and the kind of fallout of these feuds as a whole. Uh, the first one is Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page. Um, Johnny B. Bad had won a match for a number one contendership for the United States title. He didn't make his United States title match. Come to find out, because Max Muscle, who is Diamond Dallas' Page's bodyguard, I guess, is an idiot, uh, he snitches on DDP. When Johnny B. Bad's getting an interview, he's like, oh, yeah, it must have been hard to get here with four slash tires. And Johnny's like, I only said I had one slash tire. How did you know that? And he put two and two together and realized that for whatever reason, Diamond Dallas Page, who is the television champion, slashed Johnny B. Bad's tires so that he couldn't make his United States title shot. Um, At this time, seeing DDP before he was really DDP, you know? It's fucking weird. Yeah. He's doing this male chauvinist character where he's, like, really mean to Kimberly and bossing her around. Later um, on, this whole thing where he's, like, defending Kimberly and how being how, like, you know, loving towards her and all this. Another storyline, like, not even, like, a year and a half later. <laughs> well, she's not, she's not Kimberly right now. She's the Diamond Doll. She doesn't even have a name yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they had this weird match where it was Johnny Bad versus Diamond Dallas Page for the television title on Nitro. And the announcers clearly state before the match that no matter what the outcome of this match, they're going to have the exact same match at the pay-per-view. Now, we don't get the match. Diamond Dallas Page jumps Johnny B. Bad, takes his bad blaster, his gun that he shoots stuff out of, and beats him down with it, and the match never starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But why would they tell us before the match – no matter what happens, no matter who wins this match, we're, we're going to do this match again anyway. Listen, I need you to understand WCW, okay? The difference between them and the WWF, WWE, they prioritized their television above their pay-per-view. It was all about the TV to them. It was all about Nitro. It was all about cable TV, their ratings on television for them. Which is why they were beating WWF in the ratings for so long, because that's what their priority was. So it's just like, yeah, this match is going to happen at the pay-per-view, but guess what? We're going to give it to you tonight. Watch it tonight. You know? I can see that. I can see that. like that big match they end up having like a year and a half from this point at Starcade, Hulk Hogan versus Sting, had the exact same match the next night on Nitro. Yeah. So it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, you know... That's what they that was their priority. So I every time they do something like that, give away like main event status show, like you know, matches on Nitro. So that's what their priority is. Uh the next storyline building up into the pay-per-view, we're gonna talk about the Dungeon of Doom, and I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Um I've got some bullet points here. We had the Macho Man versus the Taskmaster, who is Kevin Sullivan 
Uh, this is because of the Baywatch thing. It ends in a disqualification. The giant comes down. He takes out Savage. A couple other people, including Alex Wright, try to help. There are some things that we skipped over in the midst of this. I don't know if you're going to talk about it. Are we Are we really going to get into everything that happened to Hulk Hogan? Because you know. Yeah, we're going to talk. Okay, so I'll break this down for you. We got Johnny B. Bad DDP. Yeah. Then we're going to go Dungeon of Doom. Then we're going to go Macho Man Luger. Then we're going to go Flair Arn. And then we're going to go Hogan and the Giant. Okay, I'm just making sure we're going to talk about everything that happens with Hulk because I got words for this. But go ahead. This is just the stuff that was exclusive to the Dungeon of Doom. It may tie in a little bit to other stuff, but it's not a main part of the storyline. They're just kind of a sideline. So the Giant comes out and attacks Savage. Uh, A couple guys come out, including Alex Wright, to try and save him. Doesn't happen. Luger comes out and stands over Macho Man in the middle of the ring. And then the Giant attacks Luger. Uh, Kevin Sullivan's not happy about it. And this starts them asking us, is Luger with the Dungeon of Doom? Yeah. Um, That's not going Then Luger, after getting beat up, Luger then has a match with Meng. Uh, Meng wins with a spike to the throat. Oh, not the tongue and death grip. Interesting. No. He's uh, He's got a golden spike that he keeps in his boot, and he's been pulling it out and hitting people in the throat with yeah, it. I've seen that. It's just like, you know, for the longest time, he was winning with the tongue and death grip. And, you know. The Shark had a U.S. title match against Sting that he lost. The worst um, ever in the history of wrestling. I'll stand by that. Meng also beat Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and this is a preparation oh. for – this is a preparation for a match that we will see at the pay-per-view, which you're going to have Ming versus Luger, and then we're told you're going to have uh, the Ugandan giant Kamala versus Macho Man, but that gets changed at the pay-per-view. And if both of these guys win that match, they will face each other, and we'll talk about how we got there uh, when we get into Sting Luger. Or, I'm sorry, um, Macho Man Luger. Yeah, they're both going to win their matches because they're not going to tease that and not have them fight each other. But go ahead. They had Scott Norton get into it with the shark backstage, and that never played out, and nothing ever happened from there. They just, oh, there's something going on backstage, and Scott Norton was beating the shit out of the shark, and then that was it. And, Travis, here's the last thing, and this just – this. so Kevin Sullivan's dad, uh, this bald Marlo Brando, Marlon Brando fucking statue-looking motherfucker who's constantly sitting down on a throne – Appears on Nitro, floating in the air. There is a, which I feel bad for whoever was holding those strings, first off. There is a, some shit, yeah. There is a iceberg uh, in the arena, magically. We are told by Kevin Sullivan's father that the glowing glacier contains the Yeti. And now I say Yeti. These guys keep saying Yete. Oh, I'm so happy that this is where we're at. Oh, the Yete. Oh, man. (laughs) The Yete. Not the Yeti, the Yete. And they're, like, explaining to you, like, you're stupid what a Yeti is because they don't know how to pronounce it. Um, I didn't hear them at first say that it was going to be the Yete. 
I thought this was Glacier, and I'm like, this feels like way too soon for Glacier to show up, and I didn't think he was part of the Dungeon of Doom. not Glacier time yet. This is the Yeti. <laughs> oh, I found that out. Um, so, at the end of the show, Sting and Luger are a tag team. They beat Harlem Heat. The Dungeon of Doom comes down and attacks Sting and Luger. Uh, Savage and Hogan come out to make the save. Uh, and Luger and Sting just kind of disappear. And it's Savage and Hogan together fending off the entire Dungeon of Doom. Here's one the thing. Ice- Here's the thing, though. I know I've mentioned this on the last episode, but it still bothers me. The appearance and disappearance week to week of Lex Luger's hair extensions. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I meant to look for that, and I just I didn't pay attention. Basically, if you like see him out there, <laughs> not in his ring gear, he's not about to have a match that night. He's in regular street clothes. He has the extensions, and his hair is conveniently longer. And then if he's in his ring gear and he's having a match, it's shorter. And it's like, dude. so here's the thing, though. We go off air right the the nitro before the pay per view. The iceberg's shaking, but nothing fucking happens. And they don't really talk about it again at all until the main event of Halloween Havoc, which we will get to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to move over to the Lex Luger Macho Man feud that we prefaced earlier. Um, the Macho Man has been cutting promos on Luger, saying that at Fall Brawl, Luger cheap shotted him in the War Games match. Luger comes out, says, I didn't do that. They don't fight the first time. Second time, same thing. So they make a match. Luger versus Savage. In the midst of this, Macho Man also accuses Sting of being into some shit. He's like, yo, why not? Well, we're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to get there. So they make a match. It's Lex Luger versus the Macho Man Randy Savage on Monday Nitro. If Luger loses, he not only loses his title shot that he's been promised against Hulk Hogan, but he will leave WCW. Um, and Savage will get that title shot. So Lex beats Savage with an unknown assist. This is way off the subject, Matt. Just oh, shit. Way off the subject. Um, because this happens with Lex Luger a lot, like in the future, it reminded me of something that I was reminded of when watching these older episodes of a weird rule in WCW back in the day where if you throw or somehow cause your opponent to go over the top rope, you are disqualified. And they mentioned it in a match because there was some point where somebody got knocked over the top rope, but they said like, oh, he won't be disqualified for that because it was not intentional. I remember something about that. And I, what I can tell you is that it's something that Bill Watts, I believe, reintroduced to WCW. It was an old school wrestling thing. And this is in kind of the midst of transitioning and Bill Watts wanted to get rid of the mats around the ringside. And I remember all that. Yeah. But that's the thing. This, this thing, this stayed a rule for a long time. Like there were several matches, like when like Luger's facing members of the NWO and more than once got disqualified for like knocking Buff Bagwell over the top rope. So it's just, well, let me tell you this. I have noticed that the officiating in WCW was fucking terrible. That the rules for the matches, they were just there. The rules for the matches just kind of, it's whatever works best for whatever they're doing at the time. The rules in one match, even though it's the same match, don't apply to another match because 
well, that doesn't work for this match and where we want to go with it. So it was just whatever fit. Yeah, that was a difference. Like with them, it was like they would tell the ref, like, all right, look, this is what we need you to do for this match, yada, 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 as opposed to, you know, WWF, like, yo, you just call this match. And if something happens that's, that goes a certain way, unless it's somewhere where you're supposed to be distracted and all that kind of stuff, you know? But outside of that, you just call the match. Whatever happens, happens. If they fuck it up, they fuck it up. That's not on you. So we have this match, Lex Luger and Savage. Uh, Lex beats Savage because the Giant shows up and punches Savage without Lex Luger seeing. We're still questioning, is Lex Luger part of the Dungeon of Doom? And th- at this point now, like you said, Savage has gone completely paranoid. He thinks Sting is in on it. He thinks Luger is in on it. He thinks... You know, Hogan doesn't have his back because Hogan's got a neck brace on and he hasn't been there. Nobody cares about him. Um, We also get, you know, both of them want the WCW championship. Sting shows up. He's like, we all want the WCW championship. Sting actually makes the match for the pay-per-view. He says, listen, I'm going to fix this issue between you guys. And the way we're going to fix this issue is you guys each win your matches, then you beat the shit out of each other. And that's how we're going to be friends. The simpler times, sir. It was before authority figures were on television. So <laughs> the wrestlers would make their own matches on the show. Because why not? Um, and then also prior to getting into this match against Lex Luger, the Macho Man faces Kurosawa, and he really takes a beating in that match, the Nitro before the pay-per-view, I believe. Whereas Lex's match was a little easier against Ming, mm-hmm. which we talked about earlier. Um well, you know what? We'll save Flair and Arn because really, storytelling-wise, that is the best piece of storytelling WCW did. Listen, listen. I've said it before and I say it a thousand times. It does not get better than Ric Flair. Like, it's just that simple. You do not get better than the nature boy Ric Flair. You can give so me Shawn Michaels and your Undertakers. They were both great, but it does not get better than the nature boy Ric Flair. So let's jump over to Hulk Hogan and the Giant. We're going to save the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Um, Obviously, Hogan challenged the Giant for his own championship. He came out and said, which that bothers the shit out of me. When champions come out and challenge somebody to put their belt on the line, it really bothers me. And we actually... Fighting champion, Matt. Yeah. Well, you haven't watched the latest episode of Monday Night Raw yet, correct? What have I told you about talking about current shit on this show? All I said was the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. I wasn't going to talk about it. I just asked if you watched it. No. Okay. I didn't think so. Um, anyway, so Hogan comes out and challenges the Giant for his own championship at Fall Brawl. I'm going to put my tie on the line, and this is the guy I'm going to fight. Um, while Hogan's been off with his neck injury, because if you guys don't remember, during or at the end of the – Fall Brawl, War Games match. The Giant comes out, saves Kevin Sullivan, and grabs and mimics pretty much snapping Hogan's neck with his giant hands. Um, He's just been kind of destroying everyone. When he comes out, he just tossed everyone around. He looks unbeatable. Takes Hogan about three weeks after Fall Brawl to really show up in the ring with his neck brace on. He cuts an in-ring promo. He's attacked by the Taskmaster, who's dressed like a woman in the crowd, throws some powder in his face. They beat him up again. They rip the mask or the uh, neck brace off. They 
rack his neck again. Um, the Zodiacs, they're beating on him. They shave off Hogan's mustache. Now, this is – This is what I wanted to get to. I wanted to make sure we talked about this. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. So this is the point in time where Hogan turns. You shaved off his mustache. <laughs> and much like some of you may be familiar with Shawn Michaels lost his smile, <laughs> and that's when he kind of turned. When Hogan lost his mustache, <laughs> he went to the dark side, ladies and gentlemen. He has become evil. He is now paranoid. Everyone that was his friend that teamed up with him over at Fall Brawl War Games just a couple weeks earlier is now out to get him. He cannot trust anyone. He literally is wearing the NWO Hollywood clothes, essentially. He's got a black shirt on. He's got black tights that have lightning down the side. It just doesn't say Hollywood on it. Oh, he is Hollywood Hulk Hogan before Hollywood Hulk Hogan even fucking existed. Minus the mustache and the fucking scruff. Oh, man. Listen. Listen. This was so dumb. And I just couldn't wait to get to this. Like, when we first talked about doing this show, this is one of the pivotal moments that I wanted you to see. I wanted you to see Hulk Hogan with his mustache shaved off and the effect it had on him and the way the commentators were talking about the shaving of the mustache. Like it was a symbol <laughs> of Hulk Hogan, you know? Like, like it didn't grow back. Like hair like, grows back, bro. Like on your face. It's not like the hair on the top of his head. That's not coming back. But this right here, the mustache, that grows back, bro. <laughs> They acted like they took the Hulkamania shirt and wiped their ass with it. Like, that's how big of a deal shaving his mustache was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, mind you, at this point, we were supposed to have a tag team match between the American Males and the Nasty Boys, but both the American Males and the Nasty Boys ran out to save Hulk Hogan, got their asses kicked, and then that match never happened. Um, let's, let's move over. Chicago. Rosemont Horizon, Hulk Hogan comes out. He calls out Andre's son. He's referring to him both now as Andre's son and the big stinky giant, which I fucking hate. It is so fucking stupid. Um, but he stinks. He, takes, he even takes a shot at Vince in this promo. The Dungeon of Doom shows up in their monster truck, but they're not allowed to drive the monster truck in the arena. And because of that, apparently they can't get out of the monster truck and just walk in. Yep. When this, was this the point when they were talking about some kind of like a restraining order or some shit? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the Rosemont police are kindly outside trying to keep Hogan apart because Hogan's all pissed off that they won't let him in the building. So he runs out there to try and do something. But the cops hold him back. Mm -hmm. Which, what are you going to do against a monster truck? and an entire fucking faction of people inside a monster truck by yourself. He is the immortal Hulk Hogan, sir. He can do anything. Not at this point. Not at this point. He is the immortal, he is the immortal Dark Hogan. Mustacheless. Immortal Hulk Hogan, all right? And I, I truly believe, <laughs> Travis, you and I went to private school. We did. Together. We did. You know the story of Samson. Fucking right. I'm with you. Go ahead. The Samson yeah, man. was 
Samson, for those of you who have never read the Bible or aren't religious whatsoever, Samson was a strong man whose strength was tied to his hair. He fell in love with a woman named Delilah who was convinced to cut his hair. When she cut his hair, he lost his strength. He was enslaved. They gouged out his eyes, all this awful stuff. But eventually his hair grew back. He got his strength back. And not only did he commit suicide, but he also killed all his captors. Yeah, killed everybody in the building. Knocked the whole shit down. Knocked the pillars down and shit. They shaved off Hulk Hogan's mustache, and he lost his power, just like they cut off Samson's hair, and he lost his strength. Oh, man. That might be my favorite thing you've ever said, sir. What can I say? Um, so now we get to the week before Halloween Havoc. Uh, Sullivan and the Giant are in the ring cutting a promo. Hogan's still wearing all black. Um, he cuts a really bad promo, almost like he's going here. Like I said, he's like, the macho man is against me. Luger's against me. Sting's against me. Everyone wants my title. I can't trust anyone. No one's got my back. Uh, they've all turned on me, so I'm going to take them all out, one by one, all by myself, brother. Like, just really cheesy, bad promos. Um, really all we're getting at this point. Oh, and it has been announced that prior to Hulk Hogan versus the Giant for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, Hulk Hogan and the Giant are going to be on the top of a building in monster trucks having a monster truck sumo match. <laughs> Mind you, the winner of the monster truck sumo match gets no advantage whatsoever in the actual title match. No, they're just doing it just because. <laughs> All right, let's – and I'm really excited to talk about Flair and Arn because we talked about um, – I don't know if it was on the last episode or if it was on something else, but we talked about the iterations of the Four Horsemen, and you said you didn't remember Brian Pillman being part of the Four Horsemen. I'm pretty sure it was on the last episode, yeah. Well, this whole thing with Arn and Flair is building to that moment. Mm-hmm. Um. Flair comes out and he cuts a promo on Arn Pillman because at Fall Brawl, Pillman interfered in the Arn-Rick Flair match and cost Rick Flair that match. So now Flair's pissed. He wants them both. Um, he gets Pillman in a singles match. He beats Pillman, and then he's calling out Arn as we go off air. The next week, Arn and Pillman come out. They cut an in-ring promo. And let me tell you something. I didn't realize how articulate and what a good promo – like. Arn Anderson is fairly good at cutting a fucking promo. He was the muscle of the four horsemen. He really deserved better than being fucking Ric Flair's Robin. Well, the pro- like I said, because he was attached to Ric Flair, you kind of forget how good he really was. But, yeah, that's really the thing. Because he was Ric Flair, he kind of get overshadowed. But at the same time, if you can be in anybody's shadow, <clears throat> why not? In this, prom- in this promo that they're cutting, you see – both Arn and Pillman doing this, throwing up the Four Horsemen sign a lot. They make the match for Halloween Havoc, Flair versus Arn, two, the rematch. Um, or no, I'm sorry, Flair versus Arn, two, was on Nitro. 
which also ended with Pillman and Arn beating down Flair. Um, it was a cage match in yeah. Rosemont. Good match before that happened, but yeah. They had the match with the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. They had the match with Pillman. And then they had the cage match that I'm talking about right now with the Rosemont. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. It was a good match before the interference happened. Yeah, that's all I was saying. Oh, I thought you said they had a match before that, too. Not it was a good match. No, no, I, I said it was a good match before that happened. That's all I was saying. You know, they're in Chicago. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You're right. They had a good match. Uh, Pillman interfered. They beat down Flair. So now Flair wants a steel cage match. Mm-hmm. The steel cage match, which is technically Flair versus Arn 3, is in Chicago. Uh, and it's fantastic. Pillman keeps trying to get into the cage, but he's kept out by Flair. Arn hits Flair with a foreign object to get the win. So now Flair says he wants them both in a handicap match. But we don't get a handicap match. They tell Flair, you got to go get a partner. So Flair goes to the one person he thinks might take his side because for those of you who don't know, Ric Flair has essentially been a heel his entire career. He hates being a game. He hates being a face. And this is like a kind of face turn for him because really Arn and Pillman are the heels here. So he goes to recruit Sting. And Sting's like, listen, man, I've had matches against you. I know who you are. I don't trust you. You turned your back on Arn Anderson. He was your best friend. Like, if Arn can't trust you, how can I trust you? So they have this tag team match. And... Flair goes out there by himself. He should have got the Disco Inferno. <laughs> I agree. Flair wrestles the majority of the match by himself, but Sting sees the heart that Ric Flair has, and he decides this guy's for real. Sting comes down, joins Ric Flair in the tag team match, helps Ric Flair finally get the win. They win by count out because Arn and Pillman are like, fuck this, and they walk out. But he helps them get the win. So now they've made a rematch for Halloween Havoc. Sting and Flair versus Arn and Pillman. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this is the best storytelling they did this entire time. Mm-hmm. So now this is the buildup. This is all the things going in. Everything that we've just talked about is everything going into Halloween Havoc. So now we are here. We are at Halloween Havoc. In the very first match, DDP loses the television championship to Johnny B. Bad. Um, and Kimberly is giving Johnny B. Bad a 10 ringside and seems to be more on Johnny B. Bad. You there? Why are you quiet? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I lost you for a second. Go ahead. You said uh, she's giving Johnny B. Bad a 10. Yeah, and she seems to be more on Johnny B. Bad's side than she is on her husband's side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, DDP is a piece of shit. And she's like, no, Johnny B. Bad's not a piece of shit. Ten. Also, DDP was planning on ambushing Johnny B. Bad again, but he tricked DDP. He had someone else come out dressed like him, and then he slid in and attacked DDP from behind to make sure that this match happened, unlike the first match that they tried to happen, which they told us we were going to get this match anyway. We talked about that earlier. Um, and for those of you who don't remember, Johnny B. Bad is Mark Marrow. The marvelous one, yes. Or the wild man. Whichever one you prefer. So next up, we had the Macho Man versus the Zodiac. And it was just about mid-match when they, yeah, Brutus the Barber Beefcake is the Zodiac. 
But it's just about mid-match when they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I know we told you it was going to be the Macho Man versus Kamala, but uh, Kamala's not here for reasons. So he was replaced by the Zodiac, a fellow member of the Dungeon of Doom. Um, right at the beginning of this match, some fan jumped in the ring and tried to get involved in the match, but he was held back by the ref. So he really wasn't much of a tough guy if the ref can hold you back. I don't know if he was trying to get at the Zodiac or if he was trying to get at Macho Man, but from what I saw, I want to believe he was going after the Macho Man because there was a woman that walked the Macho Man down to ringside. And I'm going to believe, because it makes me feel good, that the Macho Man found this pretty young lady outside. It was this guy's girlfriend. The Macho Man brought her backstage, let her walk him out to the ring, gave her a kiss, and this dude's fucking pissed and wants a piece of the Macho Man for stealing his woman. And after the match, they made sweet love. Absolutely, because it's motherfucking Macho Man. And this is post-Elizabeth, so he can do that shit. Post-slash-pre-Elizabeth. <laughs> well, when she comes back to the company, she isn't with the Macho Man. He's protective of her, but they're not together. Not, well, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is, like, on television, though. It's, yeah. Okay. Um, next, we had Kurosawa versus Road Warrior Hawk, which I feel like this match should have got much more hype. They talked a little bit about how Kurosawa – you know, took out Road Warrior Hawk and how tough he is. So this is a rematch. This is the Road Warrior Hawk getting his revenge. But there's not a whole lot here. Um, Kurosawa wins. So Hawk doesn't get his rematch. Or, like, he doesn't win the rematch. They didn't build it very well. I think they could have done a better job and made much more out of it than what it was, especially for one of the fucking Road Warriors. There's also a thing you got to understand about WCW. They don't respect lineage, so. Yeah. Next up, we have Sabu versus Mr. JL. And for those of you who don't know, Mr. JL is Jerry Lynn. And you may be familiar with him from ECW because he was famous in ECW. And I think he takes the mask off and is Jerry Lynn in WCW for a little while later in the Cruiserweight division. Yeah, but he really made a name for himself in ECW. And then he had a run in TNA later on as well. Yeah, well, who watched TNA? Um, hey, hey, hey. I watched TNA for a time, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Sabu comes out with the Sheik. The Sheik that trained him. The Sheik that is famous from days past. The Sheik that throws the fireball, which is exactly what he did this match. He threw a fireball into Mr. JL because I guess they couldn't think of a better name for him and they didn't want to call him Jerry Lynn. Threw it in his face, allowing Sabu to get the win here. Um, there was no really build, build to this match. There was no reason for this match other than Sabu needed to have a match. Yeah, you got Sabu. You put Sabu on the pay-per-view. Like, yeah, there's no reason for like – I mean, it was a good match, and Sabu's fantastic, and you get all the Sabu shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Jerry Lynn's fantastic. They have a history from ECW, mm-hmm. even though you don't know that because he's under a mask and they're not telling you who he really is. But why not? Yeah. Uh, ooh. So Macho Man beat the Zodiac, and now Luger is taking on Ming. And as Ming goes to pull the spike out of his boot, Sullivan is waving him off, telling him no. Luger ends up winning, and Sullivan seems really happy that his Dungeon of Doom member lost to Lex Luger. Now, there's two thoughts of thinking at this point. One is he wants the Macho Man and Luger to tear each other apart so they're no longer in his way while he's taking on Hulk Hogan. The other thought is what they've been kind of teasing us with that Lex Luger is in cahoots with the Dungeon of Doom and has been this whole time. 
interesting because you haven't seen this, so you don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. I know now. Yeah, you know now. I'm just saying, like, just looking back on this, just like as you watch it, like, oh yeah, he didn't see. Yeah, so, so he does. All of my notes are based on my thoughts as I'm watching this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> really interesting to me. Just like yo, like he really he doesn't have the memories of this like I do. So this is fun. Go ahead. So. <sighs> As we started off Halloween Havoc, they told us that Ric Flair was jumped backstage. He was not going to be able to – they weren't sure if he was going to make his match with Sting. Sting still comes to the ring, and he takes on Arnon Pillman by himself. Ric Flair comes out, damned if he's hurt. He's in street clothes. He pulls his shirt off. He's got a bandage on his head. He gets in Sting's corner. Sting is getting his ass kicked. Like, at, at first, he was whooping Arn and Pillman's ass, but now the two-on-one is – kind of gotten the better of him. He's getting beaten down. He goes in for the hot tag. He tags Ric Flair. Ric Flair bounces off the ropes, comes back, and then they all kick the shit out of Sting. And the whole time, this has all been... Now, this is where I don't understand why... And maybe I'm going to find out when I watch the next episode of Nitro, but why they did this elaborate ruse to just beat the crap out of Sting. You're reading too much into this, sir. This is WCW. They didn't think that far ahead. <laughs> yeah, the, but it's the return of the four horsemen. You've got Brian Pillman, Arn Anderson, and Ric Flair. Honestly, that's really what it's all about is, is re- bringing back the four horsemen. That's really what it's all about. I just I don't get why Sting was such an integral part in coming in and being Flair's tag team partner and earning his trust. Established, they'll fuck everybody up, including motherfucking Sting. But it's funny that this whole thing of him being hurt or whatever, and then coming out and like, oh, he's not hurt, he's gonna turn on his team. Did that? I want to say about a year later with Kurt Henning, Mister Perfect, in War Games. When he joined the NWO, see, this is why like, I can't wait to get to next year with this shit because it's so much fun. Once Scott Hall shows up on Nitro, well, you know, you could, we could, we could, nope, jump you, forward, nope, because you won't appreciate it unless you wade through all the swamp garbage. All right, I'm knee deep in shit right now. Yep, and you have to um, wade through it all until we get to that fateful night. In 1996. Speaking of knee deep and shit, the very next thing we have the sumo monster truck match <laughs> on the rooftop of a building. They have they they break down everything for you. They took the two monster trucks, they welded them together in the fronts. Hogan's driving one. He's got a co-pilot because a monster truck has two axles, and one guy has to work the back ax back axles and the hydraulics. Well, Hogan steers the front. The Giant has the same deal in his. Um, Whoever pushes their opponent completely out of the ring, and this means their entire truck, both axles, have to be out of the cone circle on the rooftop, wins. I would love to, and I might go on Twitter and do this, I would love to ask Eric Bischoff if Hogan was scripted to win this match or if they just let those two guys go up there with the fucking monster trucks because it didn't really have any bearing on what happens. You're right, because it didn't matter. It's like, who cares? Maybe they Because just, if they just... 
Go ahead. They wanted Hogan to win because they knew what was going to happen afterwards, you know? Well, we'll get to that. But I would love to think that they just let the Giant and Hogan get monster trucks and just fuck with each other to see who would actually win. You just act like little, like, you know, 10-year-olds or 8-year-olds but they're playing with their trucks at home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Hogan wins. The Giant is pissed off that he lost. He gets out of his monster truck. He goes after Hogan. They start fighting. He drags Hogan over to the edge of a building. They climb up on the ledge. Hogan breaks free from the Giant's grip. The Giant falls backwards off the building. And then Hogan screams and runs like a little bitch. Somebody go get help. He literally just tried to commit murder and threw a man off a rooftop and then ran away screaming for help. Once again, you're digging too deep, sir. This is WCW. They didn't think that far ahead. This is supposed to be the evil Hulk Hogan, the bad Hulk Hogan, the Hulk Hogan that's gone to the dark side, brother. Yeah, but he had regrets because he went too far to the dark side. Oh, yeah, because he threw his ex-best friend's son. I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to – son. Mm-hmm. Off you, threw of air you threw those air quotes oh. up. You know why I threw those air quotes? Because they redact the fact that he's actually the Giants' son or Andre the Giants' son later on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it's redacted. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to throw them. Um. Andre the Giants' son off a fucking roof, and now he feels bad. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, Bobby the Brain Heenan is freaking the fuck out. He's like, somebody needs to get outside. Why hasn't anyone told us if the Giants okay? What's going on? Like, how hard is it to walk out the front of the building and take a look to see if the Giants okay? Uh, yeah. We're in Detroit. No, he's not dead. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's all, that's all Bobby wants, but Bobby's not getting that, and he's getting fucking pissed. In the meantime, we have Luger versus Savage. Jimmy Hart runs down to ringside. Uh, we don't know why Jimmy Hart's there because he doesn't manage Savage or Luger, but he's there. He gets up on the apron. Luger knocks him off. Seems a little distracted. Savage gets the win. Uh, beats Luger in this match. This all culminates, ladies and gentlemen, in our main event. We are told that no one knows if the Giant is alive or dead. We have no idea if we're having this title match. So Jimmy Hart and Hulk Hogan come down to the ring. Michael Buffer starts announcing the match. The Giant... Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm just remembering... The Giant... Michael Buffer. Who was thrown off the fucking roof of a building, walks out, not a scratch, not a bruise, nothing. He's a motherfucking giant, sir. Well, yeah, he's so tall that when he fell off the roof of the building, it was like taking a step off a curb for him. That's how big he is. Because, like, they um, decided that he was, like, not even just seven feet tall. He was seven foot four and shit. Like, he was, like, super tall. Like, they made up height. <laughs> my favorite thing about this, though, is prior to the giant coming out, Hulk Hogan cuts a promo. And he is very calm after just possibly committing murder. Like, he is out there relaxed. Well, they were in, a, in the midst of a fight and a brawl and whatnot. So, technically, that's manslaughter. <laughs> okay. He's very calm after possibly committing manslaughter on his ex-best friend's child. Very manslaughter, but manslaughter nonetheless. Obviously, the giant interrupts. He comes to the ring. The match starts. Hogan re- moves his bandana to reveal that he drew the makeup that the Taskmaster wears on his own forehead. Matt, 
what have we what have I told you, sir? Stop looking too deep into this. It's WCW, all right? I'm not looking deep into it. It just the fuck. They played it off like maybe the giant was an idiot and he couldn't tell the difference between Hulk Hogan and Kevin Sullivan because of the eye makeup, like the fake eyebrow shit. Like, listen, sir, just just go with it. All right, just go with it. Okay, my favorite thing about this match, if you watch it back, and mind you, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know. The Giant, a.k.a. The Big Show, a.k.a. Paul White, has zero wrestling experience. This is his very first match, period. During the match, you can clearly see Hulk Hogan grab the Giant's hand and put it on his own throat because the Giant forgot he was supposed to be choking Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. they had a test of strength which you don't see anymore so that was kind of cool the greco-roman knuckle is what it's called you never see two guys lock hands and try to overpower each other and then the guy gets back up and the only time i've really seen that done very very well i actually involved hulk hogan it was hulk hogan versus the ultimate warrior WrestleMania six, I believe. You need to go back and watch some Eddie Guerrero matches because I know I've seen it with Eddie and maybe Chavo, and it was fantastic. And they added some flips and stuff to get out of it. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's the thing is with that though. That's about strength. And the thing is that whole thing with 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 Hulk and Ultimate Warrior, that Greco-Roman knuckle was really about strength and them going back and forth and seeing who was really the stronger between the two. And that's why I said that's the best I've seen it done like ever. And who won that, Travis? It ended up being Hogan at the end. Well, no, 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 no. Actually, actually, no, no, no. It started off Hogan was winning, and then Ultimate Warrior got came back, and then, yeah, yeah. I think I think Warrior ended up winning that. Yeah. So Warrior won that match. We've got Hogan versus the Giant. The Giant is the heel, but Hogan's gone to the dark side. So psycho, psych, psychologically, psychology wise, he's wrestling as a heel. He's poking the giant in the eyes. He's raking the face. You're seeing a lot of closed fist punches, which, according to Travis, means he should be disqualified. Illegal. That man should be disqualified. That man should be disqualified. I'm going to have to talk to you about that when we're done talking. Like, when we're done off this, you and I are going to have a discussion, by the way. We can. It's what it is. Hogan tries to slam the giant. He doesn't get him the first time, but the second time he slams him, he hits the leg drop. And then Jimmy Hart, Hogan's manager, yanks the ref out of the ring. And then he comes in and he attacks Hulk Hogan. Yup. With the belt. Yup. Now, you see Luger and Savage running down to the ring. They slide in to make the save, and Luger turns on Savage and beats down Savage. Then, ladies and gentlemen... Do you know what a hold on? Do you know what a Yeti is? <laughs> Seriously, a Yeti or a Yeti is like the abominable snowman, yeah, Bigfoot from the mountains, like a snowy Bigfoot. What comes out? 
is a guy who is actually bigger than the giant. And Travis, I didn't know this. You know who that was? No, who was that? Reese from Raven's Flock. Really? Yes. Before he gained all the weight. But anyway, go ahead. A skinny Reese. Dressed like a it's mummy. A fucking, it's a fucking mummy. <laughs> they're calling the Yeti or the Yeti. <laughs> Literally fucking like universal monster mummy walk and everything. And he gives Hulk Hogan a hug. <laughs> he, not only does he give Hulk Hogan a hug, he dry humps Hulk Hogan while Hulk Hogan is being bear hugged by the giant. Like the giant's got Hogan and the mummy just comes in and sandwiches Hulk Hogan. <laughs> kind of starts a little bit. Like I said, this is one of those moments when I, when we decided that we were doing this, that I was looking forward to you seeing. Like, I needed you to know about this. I don't know if I missed something, and I think I did, and maybe you can help me here. Did I not finish the pay-per-view? Because I have always been told, and I have been under the impression, and even as I listened to 83 Weeks this morning, yeah, where that, that the giant won that match. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's this weird revisionist history that's not revisionist history. I, I don't know. You're you're asking the wrong one because I don't know, Matt. I don't know. I don't know why they say that. I don't remember. Just yeah, I know. I know. Confirm for me the fact that the giant did not pin Hulk Hogan. No. No. But when I watch the next episode of Nitro, the giant will be champion. Yeah, I know. I know, Matt, and I, I know what you're talking about, and I, rem I remember them talking about this all the time, how in his first match he became the world heavyweight champion. I'm like, dude, I don't remember you winning that match. And then I came back and watched this like, dude, you did not win that match. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. I know. If you guys are listening to this and you guys can clarify this, if there was something that happened during the match that we missed, if – if the Giant won this match and we just didn't see it, please leave a comment and let us know. In the meantime, we will be moving on to the next episode of Monday Night – or, sorry, Monday Nitro. Fixed it. We will be working into the next pay-per-view, which I believe is World War Three. One of my favorite pay-per-views, the ones that, you know, it's, it's basically the Royal Rumble with twice as many wrestlers and three rings. Before we finish up this episode, though, Travis. Wait, not only is there 60 men, it's not a little time thing where, you know, every few minutes somebody else comes in. No, no, no. They put all of them in there at the same time and then start the match. Before we finish this, because we love Bobby the Brain Heenan, there are two things that Bobby the Brain Heenan did over these five weeks that I really have to point out Is his concern. Um, Bobby Heenan said on Twitter. I do not, but I will now. There is a Twitter account. I haven't looked at it lately. Like it's been a few years since I've actually like really paid attention to it. But when I first got on Twitter, there was an account called Bobby Heenan said, and it was just quotes that Bobby Heenan said at any point in time, whether it was when he was on commentary, when he was a manager and it is the funniest shit. I ever saw in my life. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Bobby Heenan is so concerned about the giant. He is yelling at his commentary partner. 
he actually says, if you're not going to do anything, I will. He gets up. He takes the headset off. He walks about 10 steps away. Then he turns around and comes back, and he's like, there are like a million people out there. It'd take me two hours to even get out into that. Like, there's no way anyone could get out there to check on him. This is ridiculous. After he was just bitching that nobody has come to tell him what happened. <laughs> the other thing was in Chicago. We are in Chicago. Our announced team is Eric Bischoff, Mongo McMichaels, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Mm-hmm. Mongo is part of the famed 85 Bears. Oh, Bears. The entire announced team is wearing Bears jerseys. But Bobby the Brain Heenan's jersey has a question mark on it instead of a number. Bobby Heenan. I want to know where you even get that. Like, where do you get a Bears jersey with just a big question mark on it? You got to ask Bobby Heenan, because I'm pretty sure there's a good chance that when they went out there, he didn't tell them that's what he was going to wear. Like, I'm so sure that he just showed up with that jersey because he's fucking Bobby the Brain Heenan. All right, Travis, what was for you the best thing that you saw over these five weeks of uh, WCW programming? Oh, please, Flair and Arn Anderson, without a doubt. The whole story as it played out. I'm going to agree with that. What was the worst thing you saw over these five weeks? The worst, yet somehow best thing, because you finally saw it. The Yeti. I think for the first time in Matt and Travis podcast history, I agree with you on both accounts. Dude, like, listen, I didn't even mention it before. Like, I, you know how hard it was for me not to say anything about the Yeti? Like, it's just like, oh, I need him to see this so much. It was without a doubt one of the driving forces behind me wanting to do this show. It's for you to see the Yeti. <laughs> well, I'd love to say that I'm better for it, but I'm really not. You are. Your life has been enriched by having known the Yeti. You're My welcome. life. You're welcome. The, the only semi-interesting thing that I got out of this was the Hogan, Samson, mustache, dark side angle that we got to a little preview of what Hollywood Hogan would be in the future. Yeah. Travis. Where can they find you they on can, social media? On the social of medias, they can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Sir underscore Cussalot. That is at S-I-R underscore C-U-S-S-A-L-O-T-T. You guys can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Smackin' It Raw. Smackin' It Raw is another podcast that we do. It is up-to-date current wrestling if you guys enjoy this you will enjoy that if you guys enjoy that you will enjoy this uh you can also find us at creatia no no don't worry about that it's not okay well we we won't worry about that this week um you guys can find me on twitter at matt ritter that is at m-a-t-t-r-i-d-d-e-r only on twitter i don't do instagram he doesn't insta it's okay he's not cool enough I'm really not. All right, Travis. I think that is it for this episode, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about. Uh, We're good. All right. I am Matt Ritter for Sir Cussalot, Travis Pointer. This has been your return to wrestling.